All right, let's uh, get into pet chat. Firstly, Dr. Kimberly Earl, who's just uh, needs to relax because you I ran just up the raced stairs. In. I was running late. I just raced in. So you got, got, got my breath back. You run straight from the Warren Bungles the other day <laughs> to uh, a coffee meet-up this morning, yep. into work and into here. So yes. what we need for you is about eight or ten really complicated veterinary calls. I'm up for it. All right, let's see. <laughs> and Cheryl Shaw, as always, great to see you, Cheryl, and um, one for the birds today. One for the birds today. The Aussie bird counts on, so we're going to be talking about that. And uh, we've also got a bit of congratulations, seem to be in order, Cheryl, you and uh, have taken your team to the top, it seems, nominated for uh, the Pet Services category of the Australian Women's Small Business Champion Award. So well done. Oh, thank you very much. How did that happen? Oh, well, I was nominated. I, say, I did not that I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah, How go did that on. Uh, no, I'm very, very pleased to be nominated. I think it's a great, um, a great accolade for me, and um, we'll see how that goes. All right. When do we know? When do we find out? Uh, it's in November. That's not that far away, though. It's not far let's away. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. All right, let's stick with you for a minute here, Cheryl. And okay. uh, we mentioned it's all about the birds today. It is the Aussie bird counts on again, and it's one. Two, yep, start again. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Two birds in the office with you. But what happens is that um, people are in, in, invited to get along and um, count birds. Now, you can count them in your backyard, down by the beach, at the, at the oval, wherever you are. And it only takes 20 minutes of your time. What you need to do is register. So um, if you register, and you can you can either download the app if you need to download the app if you haven't already done so, and go along and find out what birds are actually in your neighbourhood. Kimberly, you've done this before, haven't you? Yeah, my daughter and I do this every year, probably for the last five years, I would say. So I've got the app on my phone, and we tend to make it a morning, um, you know, get up a bit earlier in the morning before school. And um, I'll sit there with my cup of tea and she's 11 now, so she's not quite as excited as she used to be. But she still will enjoy going out and spotting, you know, the birds. And um, it's amazing to see what is just in our backyard. So yeah. we, we usually have anywhere from, I don't know, nine on a low count to 15 different species that we'll see in that 20 minute period of time. Yeah. Well, last year it was amazing. About 100,000 people got involved in the bird count and, and also they... Um, they found about six, six to seven hundred different species, and about five million birds were counted. So that's incredible. But what it actually does, that research that they gather from the information that's collected from the bird watching, lets them know just what birds are migrating, what birds are changing their habitat, whether they're able to um, live alongside of us any better. And the recent floods has certainly changed a lot of, um, you know, habitat for a lot of animals and birds are included in that. And the reason that it's held in October is that's the time each year that there's so many more migrating birds and also baby birds around. So it's a really good opportunity to have a look what is in your local neighbourhood. I know for me, I was just mentioning to you, Kimberly, that I saw a crimson rosella and I've never seen one of those in my yard before. I get a lot of visiting birds because we've got about an acre where, you know, lots of parrots come in. And But to just to see that crimson rosella the other day was really quite nice. Yeah, and we, um, we'll we notice around this time of year there's often, like you said, the migratory birds. So we get... Um, common calls and things like that that'll only start you can hear them more than see them but um, this is the right time of year for that so I'll often go out and um, the bird count is really good the app is really helpful yes it's got um, an ID 
you know, so you can, if you're not sure what the bird looks like, it'll help you. I not know what it looks like. You can see the bird. It'll help you identify yeah. based on the. So it's like a field guide for like you a field on the guide. app. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So that's really good. Yeah. Um, if you're really good with your bird sounds, you can identify them based on sound rather than just um, visualizing them. So, because yeah. um, you don't often see the the calls, but they're very you know Definite. characteristic. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. the big um, those noisy channel bills. They're, yes, channel bill cuckoos. Yeah, they're, they're really, around they're at the really moment. You hear yeah. them. So. No doubt lots of people are going to be yeah. um, identifying birds both by sound and, and by visual, seeing them. But, you know, make it make it something that you do each year and be involved in this count mm. because it really is important. And it's actually Australia's largest um, community involvement as a scientific event. So I think yeah. it's a great concept and it's been going since 2014. So the more people that get on board, the more counts we'll have and, um, and it's just a lot, lot of fun. It's great. It's a great citizen science project. Um, there's lots of those around at the moment too. We've been doing Frog ID this year as well, oh. which is another app and you can go out and record the frog sounds. So if people are interested in getting in that, it's a great way to get your kids involved in, you know, learning what's about in their in their natural um, environment, environment but, but right out of your back door. It's yeah. really easy. Yeah. At least up to the age of 11 when they start to get a little bit less <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's just that I'm having to pull her out of bed these days, whereas yeah. always before she's like, she'd jump up, Mom, let's do our bird count. So. What do you reckon, Cheryl, by the time uh, Kimberly's youngster's up to age 14? Do you reckon she'll still be doing the bird count? Uh, yeah, she might be. Oh, Maybe. To... <laughs> I'll be doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Well, that's a start. All right. Uh, great topic, Cheryl. So uh, you can put that one in the drawer for next year now. We will. And it's National Bird Day on Sunday, so enjoy that day. Absolutely. Good afternoon, Joy. Now, uh, Joy, are you uh, calling us from Yarra Bilbo, just near, um, just south of Brisbane there? Have you moved to there or you moved from there to here? What's the story? Um, well, my daughter moved from up there to here. Okay, and um, there's a, a new neighbourhood dog that's barking. What's going on? Constantly, it never stops. And my daughter went round there politely on Sunday to speak to the owner, and she was very impolite to my daughter and uh, didn't want to have a bar of her. And um, Christy's just trying to figure out what she can do for this annoying dog that will not stop barking, and it's quite a big dog. Yeah, so it's a really tricky. Um, it's a really tricky thing. I mean, I would always counsel people first to go to the neighbour because quite often the neighbours are not aware that the dogs are barking. They're often barking when the owners aren't home. Doesn't sound like that's maybe the case, and potentially the neighbour is not um, the most kind-hearted person. If she gave your daughter a bit of a hard no. time, yeah. Um, in the past, councils have had budgets to help with. Um, you know, problem barking dogs and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I think um, that's a very rare circumstance these days. There was um, there was a really great um, article written about, I don't know, six or eight years ago by Logan City Council up in Queensland, and they did a mm -hmm. pilot project using um, Kong feeding toys to, you know, the council rangers would, would pay a visit into the neighbours, uh, the, the homes that had the barking dogs, mm -hmm. um, and they would train the owners in how to use these Kong food toys, and, um, and the barking improved substantially. But obviously you've got to have the neighbour, the owner of the dog on board for that. Um, mm. So, you know, I guess you could always talk to the council and see if there's any kind of a budget in place. My understanding is that um, Macquarie, Lake Macquarie and Newcastle Council don't have any sort of um, program in place to help with barking dogs. And it's hard because mm -hmm. barking for dogs is a normal behaviour, but it's a behaviour that's obviously um, problematic for us as 
um, humans, you know, particularly if it's going on exactly. and on and on. Yeah. Yes. Um, and we obviously don't wish any harm on the dog. The dog is probably oh, definitely barking not. I mean, because he's, yes. you know, it's often a matter of, um, you know, trying to give them some work to do, trying to get, get them to encourage mm. them to work for their food, um, making sure they're getting adequate amounts of exercise, things like that. Because uh, I think a lot of dogs who bark either are really highly anxious dogs or they're dogs who are bored um, and they're just looking for a way to communicate with the outside world. So I think um, so, yes. You know, maybe... A, um, have a look online, see if you can find some information that might be helpful. If if you mm-hmm. can't speak one-on-one with the owner, maybe a nice, you know, sort of kind-hearted letterbox drop about some, you know, practical ways that she could maybe help her dog to feel, um, you know, less distressed that he's needing to bark mm-hmm. all the time. Um, maybe have another crack, take her up cheesecake or something I don't know (laughs) (laughs) try to make friends with the neighbor you know she's probably distressed about the dog barking too but maybe doesn't have any ability to you know to fix it or doesn't know what to do about the problem Mm -hmm. there's all sorts of things so um, I always think if you can try to make friends with the dog sometimes dogs bark because they they don't understand who's across the fence you know we've got color fences these days and they can't see what's going on and so they're just left with funny noises we've got a a new dog in our neighborhood um, who starts to bark when my daughter and my dog go out in the backyard and I'm sure that dog is just trying to get to know their neighbors but Mm. we can't actually see the dog we can't meet them haven't had that opportunity yet so sometimes that can be helpful but it might mean approaching a scary lady. (laughs) Okay then. Scary neighbour. All right, all the best with that, Joy. And look, that is the thing. This is something that, you know, so often we hear, isn't Mm. it, uh, Mm. gang, that, you know, the dog next door, it's barking, but like I said, it's quite often just bored or doesn't know you yet. Yeah, that's right. And I think it's hard in dogs, dogs in backyards when they don't have a good outlet, if they're they're not getting exercise enough, if their brain's not being put into action enough, um, and then never mind the dogs that actually do have, you know, like a clinical anxiety problem. Some of those dogs will will bark at the slightest noise i've seen dogs who would just go absolutely crazy if a bird flies overhead they're they're you know hyper alert and they're either wanting to catch the bird or they're worried about something going over their head you get dogs who will bark for you know the noises that are often the distance that we can't hear Mm. um but i have clients who have dogs who know that their dogs are afraid of the garbage truck and even though the garbage truck is six or eight blocks away the dog can hear it starts to bark straight away so um it's a complex issue because it's a normal behavior for a dog but it is um, sometimes very inconvenient for us and it can be hard if you've you know you're trying to get some rest or you've got yeah. a baby at home or you know you're just trying to watch your soaps in the middle of the day to a you know with peaceful environment so it's a hard thing i know ladies you want to jump back up into the phone calls we do very it's fun. but you know what what about if we just straight up to our dog of the week because okay. we actually have a not just a dog of the week, but dogs plural Puppies. of the week. Puppies of the week. So, if you're looking to expand your family a little bit, what about uh, trying out Billy and Honey, uh, both three uh, three month old tan dachshund and kelpie puppies? Now they were in the regional pound, but Dog Rescue Newcastle brought them into foster care. Uh, they started off. Oh, never like to hear this. They were malnourished, but they helped us back on track, which is great news. Um, so Billy's the tan male, the affectionate, fun one, loves cuddles, pats and playing. Honey is the female, the energetic, cheeky one. And both fantastic pups. Still being toilet trained, so that's good. We all like to see toilet trained, don't we? Yeah, Love well, I mean, thirteen, uh, three months old puppies, that's mm. that's to be expected. We wouldn't yeah. expect them to be toilet trained for a few more months, so that's right on right on cue. 
Absolutely. Now, uh, the ideal forever family will need to be home more often than not. So, again, if you've got a, a lifestyle where you're never at home, this is probably not for you, uh, which is always important, matching the right pets to the right people. It's really important. Yep. Yep, for sure. And I love this here. Uh, they, <laughs> meaning Billy and Honey, they've been around a 13-year-old grumpy old man dog, <laughs> probably called Kev, uh, with three young kids as well. And everyone's getting along brilliantly, so they'll be suitable for homes with kids of any ages. And for homes with a resident dog, tick, 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 tick. So all that, all that is fine as long as you're home a little bit as well. Yeah, that's right. I think, I mean, all puppies really require um, somebody to be there, you know, a little bit throughout the day um, because they need to, you know, be let out to go to the toilet. They need to be fed frequently, that sort of thing. So it sounds pretty good. They're lovely looking um, sort of long bodied I don't know. They don't, they don't look, they look Daxies in the head, but sort of the bodies are a little bit funny. Kind of a corgi shaped body, but smooth coats. I think they'll be really cute little dogs. So. I think so. Long, but yeah. not too long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, um, any thoughts, uh, ladies, on if you're looking to pick up these particular dogs, any uh, other than what we've mentioned already, anything you need to keep in the front of mind here? Well, puppies, you know, so puppies do require a lot of energy. There's a lot of um, things that puppies require in terms of um, frequent vet visits to make sure they're getting up to date with their um, vaccinations, their flea tick, you know, prevention. Um, they'll need desexing. I suspect they're not desexed yet. Um, they, you know, puppies are hard work until they sort of get to 12 to 18 months of age. So, you know, it's going to require somebody who's got some time and some energy um, or maybe who's not working or, you know, young family. They, they look really good. I don't think the ad says that they're looking to um, uh, adopt them out together. I think um, probably one puppy is enough for a new family at one time. So that's unless, really good. Unless you are home all the time and you want a couple. Yeah, it's, no? it's harder to have two yeah. puppies, though. Yeah. I think okay. the training is a lot harder. So, you know, most of the time, if you want two dogs at the same time, we would usually recommend getting the first puppy, getting them settled in, uh, making sure that the training is, you know, really well done with the one dog, and then looking at adopting a second dog in at a later date because it's much harder to train two puppies. The, the, the training's never as good if you're trying to, you know, do two puppies at the same time. You've really got to work on, you know, each individual animal. You've got to spend extra time. So it's a lot harder to do two at once. So, All right. Well, if uh, you'd like to add uh, a uh, new dog to your family, uh, you can do that uh, by heading up to our webpage, find the Pet Chat area and the Dog of the Week, and you can learn a little bit more about Billy and Honey. Cheryl Shaw, the the award nominated Cheryl Shaw, soon uh, to be hopefully the award winning. Yeah, a couple Shaw. of couple of weeks I'll have yes. to re- get used to saying the award winning. Yeah, and uh, Dr. Kimberley, all no awards for you, but thanks for coming anyway. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Uh, if you have no a, a have a question for our team tonight, yeah. maybe have you for have you had awards? Anything in the background there? No? Uh, no, not since I was at you know vet school and things like that. There's oh, a few awards counts. way back then. That That's counts. a long time ago. That's a long time ago. <laughs> you were advised no. by facsimile that you were a nominated Yeah, probably. yeah. No, no, no major awards here. So, um, super quick though. Uh, tick season is is really firing up at the moment. Yeah, yeah. We were just talking about that off air. Um, the wet weather is making for a really, really bad tick year. Um, we know that ticks like cool, damp weather, and they're getting plenty of it. So, um. We're hearing we haven't had huge numbers of cases in my hospital, but I know that the emergency center has been getting loads and loads of cases. Cheryl, you've said that yeah, the girls have been taking lots of ticks, ticks off, off and sending them off to the vets. So yeah, yeah they're yeah. around. So um, really, really important because the vast majority of um, 
cases of tick paralysis in dogs and cats um, are in animals that are not currently on a tick preventative. And unbeknownst to lots of people, your dog never has to leave their yard to get a tick, right? The ticks will come to you. They will come in on possums. They will come in on um, reptiles. They literally can get blown in in the wind if we've got a windy day. Um, And that's why we even recommend cats who are indoor cats, um, you know, should still be on a tick preventative when we're in a high tick area because Mm. um, even an indoor cat who maybe just goes out for a toodle in in the back garden every leaves the garden but goes out to toilet something like that they can still get tick paralysis so um, get them onto something protect your animals because tick paralysis kills all right uh, somebody keep very front of mind at the moment g'day leslie at morpeth uh, your norfolk terrier it loves to just um, mark the territory what's going on leslie oh i don't know what's going on let me tell you he's four years old yeah he lives with his um desex lady friend who is a west highland white terrier <laughs> And most of the time, they are well. They are very well-behaved dogs, but he is a territory marker, and I have tried everything known to science to stop it happening. So this is happening inside your house. He's marking yeah. his territory inside the house. He doesn't want to go outside to the garden. Yeah, he does both. He oh, he does both. And he might do it three or four times walking around a pot plant. Yeah. But then, and some days he never makes one mistake inside, and the next day there might be two or three. Right. But it's, it's, in the laundry or on a, you know, in the back veranda yeah. or somewhere. Does he have the usual spots that he goes to, places you know where to look? Yes, I yeah. do. So, and are you making sure that you're using a proper um, yep. pet urine odor remover and things like that, something that's going to have an enzymatic action? We can't just cover it up with vinegar and bleach and no, all that sort of stuff? No, I know all that. I went to the pet shop the other day and I bought a, a new one that was $30 a bottle. Yeah, great. Okay. It, it, he doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's hard in these sorts of situations, right? Because um, he's obviously been doing it for a while. He's gotten into the habit of doing that. Mm. We would always talk about trying to take him back to um, puppyhood and not allowing him free reign of the house. He really just needs to um, stop practicing that inappropriate behavior because, like, for cool. him, he's got free reign of the house. He's an adult dog. He knows what he needs to do. He needs to go outside to the toilet, but he's also sort of taking it in. Yeah. I'm going to go around and, and mark. Um, and so that to me means that he doesn't get to have the privileges of being free reign in the house anymore for a little while until he has learned. So, yeah. yeah, you know. So, I mean, it's what we would do with a puppy that we were house training. If we can at all crate train them, um, that's really good. A four-year-old dog, there is absolutely no reason he can't hold his bladder for 12 hours. So he should be able to be locked up through the night so we can't urine mark through the night. I'm not recommending that we lock him up all day every day. But no. what we're doing is we are putting him in a nice, small, safe, enclosed spot, somewhere small enough that he doesn't feel like he can move away far enough to toilet away from his bed, right? Dogs don't want to toilet where they sleep, so we need to have him in a confined enough space that he can't move far enough away to toilet and then still walk back and sleep. Um, so that's why we talk about crate training. It has to be a small enough space that he wants to keep that area clean. Yeah, I can do that easily, actually. I can do that. I've, Great. I've, I've, certainly try it and then one other thing that he, he does yep. and he's always done it if we put him on his lead yes he never wants to walk out of the doorways or out of the gate once right. he's in the car he's fine or once yep. i take him but this reluctance to leave home yeah is really amazing okay so it's so i mean does he run out if you if he didn't have a leash on would he run out the gate would he go out the door oh i don't think so no he, okay he, his lady friend would but westy yeah 
but he just doesn't want to go out. So he's maybe got a little bit of an anxiety sort of thing there too. And, and maybe that has something to do with the territory marking. You know, if he's a bit anxious about his own property and things like that, he's worried about um, what's on the other side of the of the territory, right? And so he's marking, maybe he's marking excessively because his, his anxiety is like, I've, if I keep marking, nobody's going to come in and invade and then I don't have to deal with that. Um, so, you know, there might be some um, benefit in doing things like um, putting some adaptal diffusers through your house. So this is a, a, a synthetic pheromone that can help them to feel a little bit more comfortable and at home can help just to bring a, a little bit of a sense of peacefulness. It's not quite the same as an anxiety medication or an anti-anxiety medication, but can be helpful for some of these dogs that just have a slightly elevated level of anxiety. Um, and then positive reinforcement training. Just see if you can work on just getting him to walk back and forth through the door, not necessarily going anywhere. Find a treat that he really likes and just work on it for you know three to five minutes a couple times a day put the leash on and just see if he'll literally just cross over the threshold for a treat you know come here buddy you have to bribe him if if you have to bribe him bribe him but get him used to making that action and finding out that actually that stepping across the door is okay and then you can start to broaden it and move a little bit further away from the door and g'day george from shortland Uh, you want to keep the conversation going about ticks today I do. I, every dog I've had always gets sick when they take one of the tick repellers. Yes, okay. And the, and the vets tell me, oh, we used to have German Shepherds, and the, the, doc, the vet says change it, and every time I change it, they're lethargic and lie down for a day. Yeah. And don't want to do anything. Okay. And, um, so I went to a product called Tickless uh, Ultrasonic Tick Repeller for my new dog. Right. And... It varies between sixty and eighty dollars, and lasts for nine to twelve months. And uh, he's never had a tick in eight years. Right. Okay. So, um, yeah. I mean, I guess there are. There's always the possibility that a, a medication can not react very well with a dog. In in the last eight years, we've had some really major advances in tick prevention. The new isoxazoline drugs are really, really very safe and they're highly, highly effective. Um, There are all sorts of people who are advertising, you know, ultrasonic snake repellents, tick repellents. I don't think there's any evidence that they work. I think you're probably just lucky um, because ticks, you know, there's there's no evidence that they um, would hear a, a sound and they actually, you know, they move towards vibration and things sometimes. So I don't know that that's, I feel like that's just lucky. I wouldn't. I wouldn't ever recommend it because we just know that tick paralysis is really, really deadly in Australia. Yeah. Um, well, well, but, well, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. And um, it, it also, it's also flea, kicks the fleas off him. He's never had a flea. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing, what I couldn't follow was if I give a dog, well, say, Soresto or one of those things, Yep. the, the, the tick's then got to get onto the dog, bite it, inject its poison into the dog to send the, the the blood up down so it can suck the blood out. So then the tick's there with the poison in the dog and I've still got to take it 
to the vet for an injection. Yeah, no, not usually. These days, so we know with our um, Ixodes holocyclist paralysis ticks, we know that um, the toxin is an accumulating sort of toxin. So a dog has to have, it's not just that a single bite will cause them paralysis. They actually have to have a certain um, amount of toxin that will bind on the nerve endings and start to cause the paralysis. Um, and so the newer drugs, yep, the, the ticks will often still attach and they will um, get poisoned themselves and then they die and then they drop off relatively easily. So the, the, the thing about a tick that's dead on a dog is that you can just sort of brush it away with your fingernail, whereas a dog um, that's got a live tick that's still actively sucking is, is going to be really hard to remove it. Um, some of the products like the Soresto collars, they actually prevent attachment if they're used correctly, but they're not 100%. But we do still recommend some of those, um, particularly for dogs up in the top end and out west where we're worried about um, the new parasite that's name's just gone out of my head. It's totally gone. But anyway, there's a new tick-borne parasite that's not a paralysis issue, but it's a, um, and we know that those little guys can get transferred very quickly. Mm. Um, right. One that I'm sure we'll be looking at in the next yeah. couple of weeks, part of the season. So Best of luck. Yep. Best of luck with everything there, George. Mm. Lady Swift, cut to an end. So, Cheryl, thank you. the award-nominated Cheryl Shaw. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Matt. And uh, Dr. Kimberly, you're doing a great job as well. We'll catch you next time. Thanks. See you next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>